I wasn't I, I knew that the neighbor was probably gonna be a weirdo. Yeah. But I didn't realize that within the first like minute of the show that I would be scared shitless because within the instead first minute? of instead of getting a true crime slide that just says this is based on true events, something like that right. to kind of say, oh, okay, this is serious, this is a the drama, you're <laughs> instead you have the actual lady, yeah, the victim of the show sitting there and saying, This happened to me. It was a different time, but this happened to me. Mm-hmm. And it just led to this looming, impending doom over the entire first episode where I didn't know what happened to her, but I knew it was bad. And you could tell that it was because of this uh, family that moved in. So uh, let me go through the episodes in order. I have short summaries here, and then we can discuss them more in depth. Okay. Because you haven't seen the show, and I can describe it for you. And this is probably the angriest I've been watching a TV show in quite some time. Angriest because of the content you're watching, right? Not because of, like, how bad it was? Yeah, it wasn't a bad show. Episode one is called Horseback Riding in American Falls. It takes place in the early 70s. You have Jan's family. They strike up a friendship with another suburban family. And the father of that family, the one they strike up the friendship with, the uh, Birchtolds, is they call him B. And he's quietly insane. So insane that he becomes really close with the family and then kidnaps Jan at the end of this first episode to become his female companion. But Jan's family doesn't call the police because they're so committed to this idea that this guy would never hurt their daughter. Wait, wait, but when you say to be the female companion... that like he... so I'll get to that okay, in a minute. Okay. okay, so that feeling of impending doom that I had from the intro, it carried over like the entire episode. Jake Lacey just plays this sort of creepy guy, but no one can see him for who he truly is. And right? it hints at it, I assume, throughout the episode. Until... Once he's kidnapped her, it's pretty clear he's a bad guy. Yeah, so by episode two, though, that's called The Mission. Jan is fully indoctrinated over the course of almost 40 days that B has her. 40 days? Yes, he's abducted her for 40 days around that time. There's no way the family could still be okay with this. They were never okay with it. It was just that Gail, B's wife, kind of convinces them to wait. And then once they contact the police, the police say, you have to contact the FBI. And then the FBI headquarters is closed until like Monday and it's Friday or something wow, like just... that. So they just, they, they they don't do anything about it until they call contact the FBI a few days later. And then the FBI show up and they're like, why didn't you contact us sooner, right? Yeah. The FBI characters are the only ones that seem to be taking this the way that it should be taken, like as seriously as it should. Yeah. Everyone else is like, he'll come back. Or the parents are just deluding themselves into thinking that, their daughter is safe. And anyway, so he has her for like 40 days and he's indoctrinating her with this belief that they were abducted by aliens, that the aliens' names are Zeta and Zethra, and that they're tasked with this mission to become a couple. Jan's parents, once how, they how finally... Old is Jan again at this 12 point? years old. Jan's parents finally, once they've contacted the FBI and, and they hear from the shrink that uh, of this thing called pedophilia, which apparently wasn't a big deal back then. Like, they didn't know what it was back then. They had never heard of grooming. Wow. This is the 1970s, and also this family is more... So it's a very close-knit community, and it also plays a factor in how closed off they are with authority and, like, how much they don't want to deal with the police or make a big deal of things that go awry. Anyway, so we're still in episode two. Jan's parents, once they've contacted the FBI, they find out that B is in Mexico and that they track down his location via his brother, who he keeps calling, and then they find out that he has married Jan. 
there's a certificate of marriage at the end of episode two at the end of episode two that's almost and exactly that sh- when it happens in a series of unfortunate events i get they're like completely different shows yeah, but, yeah series of unfortunate events that would be this show if it was for real like series of unfortunate events had good things yes, happening to it because yeah. it's a kid's show but like this is literally a series of unfortunate events <laughs> but um they find b they arrest him in mexico he's in jail there and they take jam back good that seems like like a yeah, really good but thing jan has already been sworn to secrecy there's this scene in episode two once they've arrested jan and b and they brought them to the jail cell b uses his one bit of leverage he has a ring his wedding ring i think and he gives it to the guard to, and the guard lets him talk to Jan for like 10 minutes. And in those 10 minutes, he makes her swear to be quiet about all the things that she needs to, saying that if they're not, if they don't work together on this, those aliens are going to hurt his kids, they're going to hurt her sisters, um, they're going to vaporize them, and then they're also going to make her sister take her place. So like all this thing that, and then he gave her a ring to remember him by. And she's like fully committed to him at this point. She like loves it. And, and the m- most annoying thing about it is he also says like, don't ever touch your earthly father because he's not your real father. And so it's like, she's oh, even God. trying to like mess with everything that he possibly can in her mind. And in episode three, he finally gets out of Mexico. So he's coming back. Episode three comes around. It's called The Gift of Tongues. It's completely unnecessary in my view. It's a full backflash episode that goes more into depth about what we learned in episode one already about B's relationship with Jan's family. Uh, we get more flirting with the wife because that's like an underlying uh, storyline is that B was kind of like wanting to get with her. Mm. But I, I think that's all just to get with Jan. That's right. pretty clear by the end of this. And then he's disparaging of Bob. Um, he's ignoring his own family. And then there's hints that his wife, Gail, has also been sort of indoctrinated because she used to be this kid as well. She oh, she has okay. In yeah. the first episode she's talking about aliens as well. So I think that he may have done the same thing that he's doing to Jan to her at one point. And now that she's gotten too old for him, he's looking for a replacement. It ends with B somehow convincing Bob, this is the biggest part of the story, to give him a hand job. Mm, so okay. because he's disparaging Bob the entire episode, you think, okay, well he's trying to get close to the wife so that he convince convince her to take Jan, right? And that's what he's sort of done. But then Bob sort of gets wind about, like, stuff that's happening. Like, he can just tell that there's this vibe that's happening that he does not like. So he says, I want to stop hanging out with the Birchtolds for a while. He's telling his family this. And as the man (laughs) of the family... Sounds good, yeah, sounds... (laughs) Yeah, but then Birchtold goes to Bob's place, to his his work store, his, his flower shop, and he's like, we should talk about this. And then we see this discussion happening over dinner where um, the Bobs just kind of connect and they mend their problems. And the thing that B is trying to do is get dirt on Bob. And so he just keeps on prying him for like stuff that he may have messed up on when he was younger. And Bob admits that he like would buy Playboy or something like that. And they would touch each other like him and his friends. And so then B uses that to make him do it to him, which is, it's, it's oh, a really okay. weird scene. Yeah, that's very strange. But episode four takes the cake as far as the most insane because it's called Articles of Faith. And imagine every bad decision Jan's parents can make. And that's kind of what you get. You get, they talk to Gail, which they're not supposed to talk to the Birch Tolds at all at this point. Yeah. They talk to B's lawyer because Gail gets in their head. Gail threatens to say that they're unfit parents. And then she also brings up that Bob is a homosexual because... <laughs> because he, of, yeah, what he told, yeah. Yeah, because of what B had told her to say. So they get the Brobergs to go to their lawyer and then the lawyer convinces them to resist going public. Also, to sign an affidavit saying that B was allowed to take Jan. 
So then, oh my God. Then they go, the, the Birch Tolds go back to the FBI's lawyer who want to raise charges against B, like they should. Right. And that lawyer is another person who speaks sense, at least. He's played by Patrick Fischler. I've seen him before in other things. Um, you'd recognize him. But uh, he, he's like, okay, we can, we can deal with this. You'll, you'll retract your statement for the affidavit saying that you allowed him to take your daughter, which is insane that you signed. But I'm going to need the evidence of like stuff that he did. So where's the marriage certificate? And that's where Bob says, oh, we sent that back to get it annulled. And they're like, well, you made copies and you didn't send the original, did you? No copies were made. The original no, is no. gone. They don't have evidence of the marriage. <sighs> and so clearly that also is a blow to their case. Then they take Jan's word that B didn't do anything because they just want to believe that B is a good guy with manic depression that is just acting out. I feel Marianne, like the shit for that, that, that like sense has sailed completely. But through four episodes, you've just seen this guy ingrain himself in this family so much that I don't know how to really describe it. Every time that I would think this is just too far, I would also say, well, this was a different time. Like, like she said at the mm -hmm. beginning of the show. And I would say, okay, this is infuriating. It's outrageous, but I have to accept it because it's the truth. So back to the parents' bad decisions. They're not over yet. Marianne, who's the mom, right? She becomes convinced that B didn't mean to do anything wrong. Like I just oh said. My God, yeah. And so in the courtroom, she's not no help at all. They even make themselves seem painted as like bad parents who like let him take the daughter that they should have known that there was something wrong with him because of like the actions that he did before he left, right? right? Mm -hmm. So it's partly their fault, victim blaming basically. And then they decide after the trial that they're gonna speak to the lawyers, but forget about Jan. So they leave Jan alone in the courtroom with B walking around. So he then has another discussion with her. <laughs> don't yeah. let your, <laughs> the person who stole your kid, don't let him around your daughter. Like yeah. I, I, you feel like you wouldn't have to say that. And then Marianne gets a call from B and she doesn't hang up the phone. She lets him like apologize. And then later on, she's convinced by him to go meet him alone in that trailer that he kidnapped the daughter with. And then they have an affair. Oh God. She just, cheats on her husband. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's just delusional. It's crazy. It's upsetting. And they're not the only ones making stupid decision. Like Jan is also talking to B's kids, which she's not supposed to do. Uh, the Mormons are trying to cover up all this stuff. Like Bob does admit to the the whole thing with with B because he wants to feel like and, and he doesn't get excommunicated. They just like unfellowship him. Yeah. But he's the one getting punished, and B doesn't seem to be getting. He seems to be getting off scot free. Um, there's also issues with how they're treating the abduction. Like in now, like they would not have a girl who's been kidnapped who comes back be checked by a doctor who is a male. Like, yeah. it would definitely be a shrink. It would definitely be female. And they would definitely go over everything and try to figure out what he... Because they brought up Patty Hearst and how she was brainwashed. The FBI did that. Mm. And the parents just did not want to believe that their daughter would be so gullible. But they're just as gullible. Yeah. Because they're doing all these stupid decisions. Everyone mistakes, yeah. And the only thing that you're left with wanting by the end of the episode is to see this guy get justice, right? Yeah. But the fact that they've been cast as an older version of them, when I look on the Wikipedia <laughs> and I see that there's an older version, scares the shit out of me. It just means that he gets away with it for way longer. And it also means that like all this stuff, you can't reach through time and change it. It's one thing when you're watching a story where you're seeing bad things happen, but you're also seeing the good people making smart choices or at least one person knowing what's going on. Like dope sake. You could name any show. There, this is really unprecedented where you have four hours it's not a movie length. It's not one hour. It's four hours straight 
of these people having no idea, everyone being gaslit, you as the audience member are the only one who has a clue of what's going on. And that is insane. The monster keeps winning. Anyone who is watching this and, and having any form of uh, moral compass is torturing themselves because of how many times I wanted to skip over scenes because I knew what was about to happen. I knew that they were going to be convinced to do the wrong thing. And even if they're good people as these parents, like just, I haven't had this feeling of like skin crawling badness since like an American crime. That's the vibes I get. And that was that movie from like the mid 2000s where just horrible torture happens to this girl and no one does anything about it. You know, you know, that actually makes a lot more sense now because I have a quote from IndieWire when they were talking about the show. They called it refreshingly unsuccessful. And I even had a question. I was like, what does that mean? But now that you're saying all this stuff, it just means that like, yeah, throughout the whole entire show, you're just going to have to watch like this terrible stuff happen. There's nothing wrong with the quality of the show. There's nothing wrong with the materials show. The acting is good, the writing is good, the costumes are good, the setting is good, the filter is good, the soundtrack is good. What's wrong is what happened, what actually happened. And whether or not you wanna put yourself through watching that in slow, slow form. Jake Lacey does an amazing job. I will never be able to look at that guy again and not wanna strangle him. You know what's so funny about that is that the first time I saw him was in the office. New Jim. Yeah, New Jim. New Jim has completely destroyed himself. <laughs> and then when and then when I saw him in the White Lotus, I was like, okay, he plays like a convincing bad guy, and I was going to compare his role he here. He plays a dick in that. Yeah, this, but here it's like just no. Insane. This guy takes the cake for the biggest scumbag that we have like done. Joe Exotic, no. Dirty John, <laughs> no. Husband from Bad Sisters, no. Doctor Death, no. Girl from Plainville, no. Shining Girls villain, no. The thing about Pam, no. <laughs> Partially because some of those shows portrayed these guys in such a goofy way right this guy is like scary because again of how successful he is at manipulating everyone maybe he's not as bad as the serial killer from blackbird but that guy there was no one who was believing him right so it was like at least you had that yeah (laughs) but this like he he had an affair with the girl's mom he's destroying this family you feel bad for bob but you're also like how is and it also is like a commentary sort of on the mormon religion this and under the banner of heaven yeah like under the banner of heaven was tragic and it was a warning about fanatics and extremists and it was also like intersplicing uh, a lot of scripture and a lot of background history into the faith in this this in this show they kind of take the mormonism out and they do it as like a sidetrack storyline where they barely even mention it but at the same time it's always there like the family dynamic the mom is always in a second class, like she's a second class citizen in her own phone, uh, a home. They have a bunch of kids. That's a stereotype. Right. You also have that they can't drink coffee. But the most important one is how much the, the families, like everybody in that community, want to keep things quiet. Right. And that just plays such a part in why he wasn't caught earlier and why this is getting to the degree that it's going to. If it makes you feel any better, the actual Jan Broberg, who you saw at the beginning of this, and her mom, Marianne, are executive producers on this. And she's made it very clear that she's really open about the story. She wants it to be out there, but she's doing like a lot better now. In fact, she spoke to a lot of the cast. She even told Lacey what uh, Robert Burst told was like. And I learned that Jake Lacey apparently has a nickname Flop because of the Office character, but that, like, he only took the role because of the fact that Jan was involved in the series. 
Um, sure, but to be Marianne and be involved in the series, like it's one thing to say, oh, I was the 12 year old kid um, because that person, you understand why she was being manipulated. Like right. she woke up in a trailer where she's handcuffed and she's hearing this voice modulated thing telling her that that, that she's been abducted. And then when she wakes up again, because she keeps on getting drugged, is that uh, she sees um, uh, Birchtold basically knocked out. He fake knocks himself out to make it look like he's also the victim of the yeah. same thing. Like he's gone through every method possible to convince her that things are, but with the mom's character, it's like, how do you delude yourself? He just keeps on saying that he wishes he had been with her. And that seems to be enough for Anna Paquin's character to fall in love. So the idea that she's okay with that being portrayed on the screen is like, wow, that's, that's a little courageous. Anna Paquin and Colin Hanks, they look so different in this series, yeah. especially Colin <laughs> Hanks, but they do a great job. So like Colin Hanks, I remember him from Orange County, and it's so funny how you can see a guy <laughs> as a kid playing in this, like, teen rom-com and then playing now, like, he his dad could have played this yeah, role. Yeah, like, It's so weird. <laughs> I forgot that he was in The Offer, like, completely. At first, he did not want to take the role because of the serious subject matter, but after a while and after he, he does read a the great script, job. he decided Because, like, again, it's believable. It's just mortifying. Yeah. So mortifying. And everything that B says is cringeworthy. It's just, do you remember Cruel Summer? It has a very similar plot yes. as far as that someone's kidnapped. But it, that's more about the teen part of it and about the time travel differences. And the guy, just imagine if that guy from that show had still had her after years and years and years. Yeah. And was just like, and also, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit, but B at one point divided the rooms of the sisters because he was saying that, that, that they serve their own rooms, right? Yeah. He lives in the wall, I'm pretty sure. Like I lives think he, in the wall? I think that like there's a scene at the very beginning of the first episode where the mom comes in and she says goodnight to her daughter and then she leaves his post the kidnapping, right? Mm -hmm. And then we see a shadow approach from uh, from the side. And I don't think that that was like uh, an allegorical or like an artsy way of doing it. I think he literally is living or like puts him, there's like a, a crawl space or something in the wall that he is going to be in, which is again, so scary. He breaks into the house all the time to leave her little messages and stuff. And then when she like accidentally touched her dad because she's not supposed to, like she was patting him on the, yeah. that was when he lost his fellowship and she felt bad for him, right? Yeah. And then she like prayed that she was really sorry about it because she thinks she's half alien. <sighs> Jeez. Yeah. I think he heard her and then he poisoned his own kid to try to make her see, seem like that she had done that to him because she had just she had not followed the orders of the aliens. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, is this that guy it, has no boundaries. Like he's just insane. it was it was created by Nick and Tosca and he's worked on a lot of kind of horror TV shows. He yeah. worked on Channel Zero. But there's no blood. There's no gore. Yeah. There's no screaming. There's no one realizing that they're actually being taken advantage of. The only people who like realize how bad B is is the FBI no, and is, a lawyer. Yeah, this is a different type of horror because it's real. Like, it's it's not the fact that it's real. It's that there's no screaming. That there's nobody saying this is this is bad in the same way. Like we're just we're just like oh this is an unfortunate set of circumstances. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's more than that. He's doing it all. He's tricking people. He's manipulating people. This uh, is a suburban setting, and I know it was real and based on in, in Boise or Idaho. It's got a very yellow filter. Yes, I and and they even talked about that how like later on in the episodes, like the filter is supposed to match the tone and everything like yeah. that. Station wagons, Brady Bunch, uh, every other guy is named Bob. That's kind of did that make yeah. it possibly any like did that add to the horror aesthetic? Because Nick and Tosca talked about how he loves to it, like shoot. It just at made it more places. realistic. It put you more in that time period. So it's like when you're watching a health ad from the 1950s and you see people smoking yeah and it makes sense yeah because of that that's how this feels it's like oh you really don't understand what grooming is oh you really don't get that like manic depression does not 
give him the permission to stage a fake abduction that he actually kidnapped your daughter that to get married to your daughter that is it uh yeah man. i mean the first time that people heard about this story was actually a netflix documentary film called abducted in plain sight it came out in 2017 but it really became famous in 2019 and that was based off the book stolen innocence the brand the jan broberg story yeah. uh, based off of of course the actual story so this is the third iteration that people are seeing of it it's it's reminiscent of joe b carroll in the way that like obviously the tiger king came out on netflix then they decided to pick it up and put it on peacock do like well, yeah, the recreation. Peacock show. right but yeah. i don't think you understand so that he kidnaps her for 40 days does all this crazy shit to her like influencing her right. that way they get caught he comes back he makes bail he's not in court or he's not in jail he's just out and free no i he's know he's done yeah. that and he's still free and he's doing whatever he wants and now he's having an affair with a mom so now she's going to feel more guilty so she's probably going to do more of the things that he asked her to it's it's insane and also like with five days at memorial the, the best episodes were the ones that were concentrating on the storm and what happened because right. they were so action-packed and they were so interesting. But then the later episodes when it became a bureaucratic like discussion of whether or not this person should be tried for murder, it, it, it kind of slowed down. And a lot of shows do that where they have a really quick few episodes that are like punch, punch, punch. Yeah. And then the last few episodes just tend to slow down and concentrate on like whether how the trial worked out. This is one of those shows that would do the opposite, I think, where I would really – I just want 10 episodes of this guy – Every single thing that he's done, being having to take account for it, having justice served. Like, there is no shortage of how much you want to see this person in pain and suffering for what they have done. Yeah, they have transcripts and real dialogues of, like, all the phone calls that took place from, like, 1972 and 1978. And obviously, they used that. Um, it's going to be nine episodes, not ten. But... The show has gone. No, good. I was saying like yeah. if I would take ten more episodes of the show. But, yeah, if there was only four or five episodes... The problem, again, is that they've cast older people to play the next part of it, I think. Yeah. So that means that the affair happened. He continues manipulating for so long. I don't think he's going to go to jail quite yet. And and we're going to have to jump to, I wonder when she's going to figure it out. I wonder when Jan's going to figure it out, when she's going to come out with the truth. And even then, will it be too late to do too much to him? It's just... Well, he, uh, the actual Jan said, this story will make you talk, shout, cry, and it will make you angry. It'll just make good. you angry, yeah. And good the team of writers, actors, designers, directors, and producers have captured the heart of how good people can be manipulated and their children victimized. Dirty John was also about manipulation. Yeah. But it's like somehow because the daughters were so aware of what was happening and it was really just the mom being manipulated, it made it way easier to digest. Yeah. And it made it more like entertainment. Mm -hmm. This is... I was fully engrossed in it, but I was I hated it so much. I will not watch the rest of the series. Because of how upsetting in, it is. Like it's disturbing, but it's more you're watching scenes you know the end to. You want those to get over with so that you can find out how this guy gets caught. So I would watch the episodes at eight times speed <laughs> to see kind of just emotions fluctuate because I can be like, oh, he's manipulated that person. He's manipulated that person. But until if, I see that FBI guy, the, like, the one character who knows what's going on, this Pete guy, like looking straight. I want to see that conversation where he's talking to B. There's no way he can get <laughs> manipulated where he's going to have an affair with him. Everybody else wants to have an affair with B, but, but not this guy. The show was announced back in May of 2020. Uh, then the show got straight to series order, and uh, and they shot in February 2022. It has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 7.2 on IMDb. The consensus gave the direction and Jake Lacey's performance praise. Uh, IndieWire said, aside from the refreshingly unsuccessful, is meticulous to a very specific end. 
with a particular goal. They gave the first four episodes a B plus. The Guardian gave the show four stars. For- Again, the third episode is completely pointless. It just does the same stuff that we'd already seen in episode one. That you could not watch the third episode, be told about the fact that B convinces Bob to give him a hand job, mm-hmm. and that would be it. And that he gets out of prison at the very end. But, like, there's nothing that is achieved in that episode that we didn't already sort of infer. They just go further into detail. And that's also what was aggravating because you're watching it. And it's not that it's boring you. It's more that you're just like, I can't believe I have to watch these events I know, in slow motion. I know that Sky Borgman, the director of Abducted in Plain Sight, when she was editing it, mm-hmm. they, guess they, couldn't, they had to take a six-week break from editing it because of how dark it was and how dark the material got. Yeah, you can't recommend this show. Like, I could not in good conscience be like, oh, you should go watch this because... Because I know it's just going to hurt to watch. Yeah, I mean, it, but again, it's got... It's not hurt like Dear Zachary. Like, that one has a message behind it. That one's, it's like, okay, well, yeah. it's hurt. Like, I don't know why I'm putting myself through this. The Hollywood Reporter said, it still doesn't have six hours worth, much less nine. I appreciate what I appreciate, but I have no desire to see the tale through to the end. And I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about, aside from the very beginning Unless of that Unless you quote. told me, like, the last episode just is a complete bash on B, then I, yeah, I'm and probably not going to check it out. Decider said to stream it. I was a little just surprised because they have the executive producer from Chucky. The creator is the same creator the from Chucky as well. The Chucky, the TV series. So this no, is the second. Th- but like what? <laughs> yeah, this is the second series where they've been multiple people who have worked on the Chucky TV show here. But I think the other one was for Reginald the Vampire. Again, completely separate shows. So uh, Well, but, I mean, it also is the second series in a row where from the Glitch show where they're talking about aliens. Yeah. I just... I feel so bad for this family. What would you give the uh, seven. four episodes? I'd give them seven. seven? Yeah. Okay. I, it's, yeah. It's, this was a lot. This is four hours of stuff that I wish that we... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we would have done this show if I had known more about it going in. But I do like going into shows blind. Because yeah. I feel like it gives you more of an authentic opinion about it rather than any sort of trailer or review that you may have been predisposed to. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? No, that's about it. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.